Hey friends, welcome to episode 161 of the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Dora Swift. Thanks for stopping by. Today's episode is The Longing Within, Finding Hope, Faith, and God's Faithfulness in the Waiting. I think we can all relate to waiting and waiting on God's faithfulness, but also, what about our own faith when we're waiting? Does it get stronger? Does it weaken? What happens with that? And today's guest is actually a repeat guest. Laura C. Brandenburg has been on the show before. And when she was on last time, we were talking about her journey with infertility and the ways that God was moving in that area of her life. And this time we're doing a continuation of the conversation, but it's not only about that. It it encompasses so much more because of God's faithfulness and where Laura has been called to move from being a full professor, which is like the highest educational position of full professor, to a bigger dream that she had that people might think, wow, that sounds kind of crazy, Laura, (laughs) but that's our God and he is faithful. And we're talking about also her new book, which is Not Forgotten, Unraveling Questions of Faith and Fertility. But this book also speaks to waiting and that we aren't forgotten and that God sees us and he never forgets us. So stay tuned for this episode with Laura C. Brandenburg. Welcome back to the Fierce Calling Podcast. Today, I'm excited to welcome back one of my friends that I've had on the show before. She was actually episode, I believe, 54. And so it was, it's been a few years ago. And I'm going to go ahead and give you a little update on Laura, and then we're going to bring her on the show. She's a happily married mama to three miracles, which I can't wait to talk about. Laura C. Brandenburg believes even through the hardest chapters, God writes good endings. Amen. An author and speaker, she holds a bachelor's and master's degrees in English and a doctoral degree in technical communication and rhetoric. A former college professor turned stay-at-home mom, Laura now spends her days in rural West Texas wiping sticky, dimply hands, writing books, and sharing messages from God's Word. We're going to get into this conversation. I'm excited. Welcome back to the show, Laura. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to get to chat today. Good. Well, I will also have the link in the show notes for the episode we did last time, because I think it would be really cool for the listeners to also listen to that, just to see the progression of what God has been doing. And I always love those stories. And so I'm going to definitely put that in the show notes. So great to have you back on the show. So I'm glad we're reconnecting. And I would love if you would share a little bit about your story and go through some of the things, maybe some of the things that we talked about last time and where you're currently taking action, where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. I would love to. Um, It's funny as I was thinking about talking to you today, um, just thinking about where I was the last time that we talked because I was a full professor. I had a, I guess, almost one-year-old or somewhere in there. I mean, we had our daughter um, that we had waited almost a decade for. And now I have twins. Mm -hmm. So I have three girls that are between the ages of one and three. And um, I have quit my full-time professor job and now stay at home. So when we found out that we were having twins, we just began to 
seek the Lord about, you know, me staying home and just going single income since we did have at that time, it was three under the age of two (laughs) is what they were or what we had whenever they were born. So I'm no longer a full professor. Um, I am now a stay at home mom. And I just, I love it when people say, you know, what do you do? And, you know, I tell them I have the best job in the world and I get to stay home with my girls. And I really mean that both that it's the best job in the world. It is a job. It is work and every day is work, but it's also just the best and most um, rewarding thing that I could be doing right now. And so I, I love, I love the season of life that I'm in. And so just, you know, your question um, about your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just interesting to think of where, where that was, you know, a few years ago, and then where it is today and how that has shifted a little bit my, all of that is at home now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love how you brought that out because oftentimes we talk about how we have different callings in different seasons. We might be called to one thing and then God totally changes our plans to line up with his plans. I mean, we make our plans and he directs our steps, but sometimes things just go so differently than we would have expected, but in a very sweet and amazing way, because you have a story of infertility and, um, and you went through that for quite a number of years. And I think, too, at the time we were talking last time, you wrote mainly fiction, and God changed that, too. So tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about how that segued in and how it all ties into your story. Yes. Well, the, even as you were talking about, you know, we have plans and, and different seasons of life. I was just thinking about how my life in general has been this revolving door of the way I thought things would be and then the way that they actually ended up. And um, I think that, I mean, that's true of my profession, but also true of our family. You know, everyone, I think, just sort of assumes when you want to have children, it'll just happen. You know, you just decide that you want to have children and you'll have children. And I never imagined that it would be difficult for us or that it would take several years. And, um, and so certainly didn't think I would be on this journey. The last time that we talked, I was writing fiction and that was sort of the, the path that I pursued. I actually pursued that path for a decade. Um, I have three manuscripts that I've written, uh, one that got very, very close to being published, um, traditionally. And, you know, I worked a long time with, with an agent And then the pandemic hit. And I think probably for a lot of people that changed the trajectory of of their lives. Um, The agency that I was with actually closed. Mm -hmm. And before it closed, he was the agent that I had was already sort of um, funneling his clients from fiction to nonfiction. And right before that, I felt like God had told me to, um, to write a book about infertility. Um, I mean, the message of my book, I feel like he put that on my heart in 2020. And I just had all the reasons why I didn't want to do that because I'd been pursuing fiction and all of my, you know, contacts and the, the social networking and the relationships that I had been building were all in the fiction world, all with fiction 
editors and publishers and, you know, the whole, I don't know, I had been advised not to cross over and not to, um, you know, it's different audiences and all of that. And so it was like, okay, God, I hear what you're saying, but also I don't really want to do that. <laughs> and, um, and so I kind of hemmed and hawed about it. And, and then it was like, I don't know how many months into that. I don't know. You probably understand this too. Like, you know, when you're not obeying God's voice, mm-hmm. if you know, when God has told you to do something. And I think, you know, if you have a tender heart towards the Lord, eventually you're going to surrender and just say, okay, I repent. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry for being stubborn about this. And um, if this is really what you're calling me to do, this is what you want me to do, then, then I will do it. And I think my biggest thing was that I didn't want to write a book about myself. Mm -hmm. And I, I just kept thinking there's, there's a lot of books like that out there. Like there are women who have experienced infertility and they write a book and, you know, I'm not famous. I'm not, I don't, I don't have that platform that people are going to know me and just want to read my book. And so I just kept saying, why would I write a book about myself? Mm -hmm. And, um, but then when I really sought the Lord, like, okay, I'm going to write this book. What do you want it to be about? It's not about me. It's not, <laughs> it's not about me at all. It's, it ended up being more, more Bible study and sort of taking women through these, um, these nine biblical narratives, nine women in the Bible who are barren and, you know, just looking at the heart of, of who God is and, and the goal is to to help people, help women who are in this season encounter God's heart for them. And so it, I'm so glad I surrendered. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that I let go of what I thought I was pursuing. And I, I just have so much peace about the the journey that I'm on and I'm already getting questions about the next book. And, mm-hmm. and it's just, I don't know, this is just not the path that I imagined, but I'm like, okay, well, God gives me another book idea. I will write whatever nonfiction book he wants me to write. Yeah, because you know better now. <laughs> yes, you learn your I'm lesson. Sorry, I will not. I will not disobey. Yeah. Well, it is kind of difficult about the what we hear because oftentimes you hear different things like crossing the genres and and things like that. And we've also heard that for nonfiction, it it's difficult if you don't have a large platform. So it might be harder for that unless. You know, you have a really unique concept, but I love how your concept changed from what you thought originally God was asking you to do. And he's like, well, wait a second. (laughs) This is not a memoir. You know, this is, this Uh is totally different than that. So I just, I think that's great. And, um, I can't wait to read it, but I love that you focused on different women in the word who experienced this same kind of journey and some people may not be able to relate to that specific journey, but they know someone who has. It's been in their family or a friend. But also, it's like you said, it's like a Bible study. So it's something that we can delve into and really have some takeaways for all of us when we go through it, right? So how did, what did you learn as you were going through writing this? Because I know it's definitely a labor of love. (laughs) Yes, to write a book. I know I want to, I want to talk about your Bible study at some point too. I'm excited to 
look into that because that was something that you have done since we talked last. Yes, that's right. So you understand the <laughs> the challenge of putting all this together mm-hmm. and, and having it published. But yes, I think, I mean, the the book is really focused on women who are experiencing infertility, mm-hmm. but the truth is widely applicable. I mean, I think most women can relate to believing God for something, mm-hmm. you know, having a dream or a desire or something that they want to see God do on their behalf, or even something, um, something they're experiencing that is like a, a health issue. And, you know, the, I talk about like the, the tensions in God's word from, you know, what the Bible says and then what we're experiencing. And, um, and there's a tension there, you know, like by his stripes, we are healed. I'm not healed right now. And so um, I think that there are some just general truths that, that apply for any woman in a lot of seasons. And one of the things that I, that I wrestled with, or I thought about, and it, it was something that I think came out of just my own journey with infertility was this idea about faith and like having faith. And so the, um, the book is titled not forgotten, but the subtitle is unraveling questions of faith and fertility. Mm -hmm. And I think at the, at the heart of so many women's journey is like, that's the question they land on. Like, am I not believing enough? Is my faith not big enough? And I think that again, even if you're not a woman experiencing infertility, like whatever that thing is that you're praying about and, you know, waiting for and, um, and believing and, and like trusting that God's going to do when we don't see it happen. I think that's what we, we settle on that question. Like we ask that question, did I not pray enough? Did I not like, am I not doing enough? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. And what a perfect title because we can real, we can all relate to that. You know, the, the waiting and the longing, sometimes we have a real, really deep longing. Maybe it's tied to, to a dream that we've had, or, you know, that we, we would love to see come to fruition. And sometimes things don't always go the way we think, but in the end we can look back and go, Oh, this was a different way to get here. I mean, we know, like, for Christianity, Jesus is the only way. I mean, he is the only way to the Father. But God will use different ways to get us to where he wants us to be, which is kind of cool because we might have different roads that we are on in journeying together, though, through life. And so I, I love that you can take your book and then make it for a woman who has experienced waiting and longing and seeking and questioning because it's important to be able to question and it's okay to question. I know sometimes people may have even been raised with the thought of you can't question, you know, that's not Mm -hmm. that in and of itself shows that you don't have faith in and of itself, but it's, it's not the case. It actually can make your faith stronger because you hear all kinds of stories about people from coming from all different types of religions that start asking questions. And when they start asking, they're seeking and then they find 
So that's why I am really excited about this book. So when you were writing it, was there a different title to begin with or did you have to play around with that? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> my original title, oh, I don't remember. It had the word un at the beginning, un something. Mm -hmm. There was another book that was too close to that title. So there are actually two different titles that I liked. And one, there was another book that was really close to it that actually was about fertility. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other one was just another Christian book, but it had a very similar title. And so I just thought, you know, I don't want to get lost in those Amazon search algorithms, <laughs> but the not forgotten, one of the first things that I did whenever I felt like God told me to write this, this book, I didn't say this as part of my story earlier, because it's a little embarrassing, but I'll just say it now. <laughs> I, I wrote this little ebook devotional and I was like, that was kind of my way of saying like, okay, God, I will do what you say, but like, here it is. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote this 10 day devotional. It was very short and um, I, it's for free on my website. Um, I think, I do think it's very powerful and I think it's very helpful for women who are going through infertility. And I titled that ebook, the not forgotten ones. And so not forgotten was always kind of on my heart because because that's a feeling that I related to, you know, when you're going through infertility, you feel forgotten by God. And even some of the women that we, we look at, I mean, that is their, um, their statement, you know, and the, or the language is, you know, that God remembered Rachel, yes. God remembered Hannah. And so it's like this feeling of I've been overlooked and and so that was why I titled the ebook that way. Well, then when I had the ebook that way, I didn't want to title the book that way, especially because they were so very different. Like the ebook is very, I mean, it's a devotional. It's, it's very day one, day two, it's a devotional. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if I title this something like that, then it's gonna, they're going to be too close. But I ended up retitling the ebook and because it was a free resource that I had mm -hmm. and then going with this title for the book and and then adding that, that subtitle, which does give it a little more niche for fertility specifically. Mm -hmm. But again, I still think anybody who is longing for something or seeking God for something, the experiences that we have in those seasons, I think are very similar. Yeah. And how you wrote the devotional and it was almost like, okay, God, I did, I did write something nonfiction. Here we <laughs> go. And he's like, that's not what I meant. It's very good, yeah, but it's exactly. not what, it's not the book that I meant you to write. Yes. So, but that's really fun. Yes. But I, I do love how you were kind of going into earlier and explaining, you know, the, the change you thought it was going to be about you. And then it turns out it was more about the message that God wanted to bring forth through you. Yes. You know, and it, and writing a book does feel like you are in labor and then, you know, and then you birth, <laughs> you birth a child. So it's very applicable. And, um, but how there's a lot of biblical truth going through the book, you know, for, for any woman, woman to read. So when we had you on last time, you had your little one, but you had not yet had the twins. How far apart did you say you said they were all really pretty close together, right? They're very close <laughs> together. Yes. Yeah. We, and I, I joke a little bit that if I had known that I was going to get pregnant with twins, 
I might have spaced in that a little bit more, but <laughs> um, God knew. And now the ages that they are, they're they're really fun. Mm-hmm. But when the twins were born, my oldest daughter wasn't even two. And so that was, um, it was difficult. <laughs> she was, she was still in diapers. And now I have twins that um, need me. And, and so it was, I think twins in general is very challenging, but to be in that situation where I had twins yeah. and another like very young child. Um, kind of like triplets. It was really <laughs> difficult. Almost. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, yeah. And then you think about it. I mean, they were amazing blessings and gifts that you had waited so mm-hmm. long for, but that doesn't mean we still don't get tired. You know, So I think sometimes yeah. people might feel guilty of like, you know, especially when God gives us something and then it's just hard, you know, the season is hard yeah. and it's not like we're not thankful or grateful. It's just, you know, navigating is a hard thing, especially when you have little people, but yeah. But I, I'm excited about your story and the fact that we don't know how our stories are going to end. And our stories really don't end because when we're in Christ, we're mm-hmm. going to keep going with this. You know, this is not our home anyway. We're going to actually get to our real home with the Lord and glory. But while we're here, he has work yes. for us to do. So it is really special and you actually, your your fiction had won awards. I mean, even though it hadn't been published yet, you submitted those into mm-hmm. different writing contests, and yeah, it was definitely. I mean, I was on the I was on the path, you know. Mm-hmm. I was doing all the things, and yeah. and I I mean, I think that I was close. I think because I lost my agent, I I would have had to kind of start back there, but I think it would have been a little bit faster with having had one. But I just. I don't know. I, and I'm not saying I won't ever do fiction again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still have those manuscripts. Um, those are obviously all stories that I felt like God laid on my heart. Yeah. And I don't think all of them are fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I was learning the craft as I was going, but, but yeah, I was, I was on the path and working. And I think to me, that's the biggest difference. Like I think when you're really running in your lane and you're, you're doing what God has called you to do, it's, I'm not saying it's not resisted, but it's just, it's so much easier when that's the path you're supposed to be on. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're, when you're not in a lane that God really wants you on, it's a lot more like striving. If you know what I mean, it's a lot more of just working and, you know, trying to make all the things happen. Mm -hmm. And, and when you kind of like step back and you get in God's lane, it's, it's just so easy. And so everything about this process, I mean, writing it was really fast. Getting it published was mediumly fast. I guess mm-hmm. it's, it's still not in print yet, mm-hmm. but um, I do have the galley proofs and we're getting there, but it just, everything about it has been just so much easier compared to the path that I was on. And I don't know. I just think when you do things God's way, and I'm just, as I'm saying that out loud, I'm laughing because it's reminding me of like, that is something I talk about in the book that if for women who are experiencing infertility, like, you know, so much of what women are bombarded with when they're experiencing infertility is like all the things that you should do, mm-hmm. um, you know, like eat this and don't eat that and do this and don't do that. And I mean, even if you look at 
like the best-selling books on infertility, they are, they're like all about results. It's all about, I'm trying to think of some examples without giving a title, but you know, like get pregnant in 30 days by doing this Mm. or um, like the infertility diet or something like that, where it's like, here's what you can do to make this happen. Mm -hmm. And, and I think we see some of that in publishing too. Like, here's the things that you do. And if you do these things, you'll make it happen. Mm -hmm. And it minimizes the role that God plays in opening doors and opening wombs and, you know, shaping the, the story of our life that like, if we can just step back and rest in the fact that he has a good plan and he has a good path and, and he has a a perfect way that he wants something to be accomplished. It, it just takes all of that stress and the striving and the work you know off of us and you just rest in his character you rest in who he is and I think that's really key yeah that makes so much sense because sometimes we can when we're trying to do things in our own strength it does feel like we're going against the grain you know mm-hmm. or we're pedaling uphill you know yeah so when we're operating in our gifting and we're we're kind of lined up with what it is he's wanting us to do And he opens so many doors. We can look back and go, how did that happen? And that's applicable Mm -hmm. for anyone, really, you know, to be able to look back and go, oh, well, if I hadn't met this person, I wouldn't have found out about this or so many different things in our lives. And when it comes down to it, like the book that he's given you is filled with biblical truth that can be applicable in different seasons for different women with, like you said, things that they might be going through or have gone through and can relate to it. I love anyway that it kind of takes us down the road of looking into the lives of those particular women in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, that's cool. I'm into season three of The Chosen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I never really thought much about Joanna. I knew she was in there and I knew she followed Jesus and everything. But when we think about that, she was actually wealthy and she helped finance, financial support into ministry work. And I thought, wow, that is kind of a cool circle. She could provide for God who provided for her. It was like, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of really makes us think when we read the stories, they were flesh and blood women who had struggles like, you know, just like we have struggles. So I love that you you bring that out in the book. So it's going to release in the fall. Is that right? Yes. Um, so October, 2023, not much longer. And then it's going to be out in the world. You know, I like also earlier how you were talking about how you were a full professor, like you were doing all the things (laughs) in that arena and how God called you then to be at home with the kids. And that's going to encourage someone listening. Sometimes we might feel like, well, I went through all this schooling and spent this money and this and that. Mm -hmm. So I really can't stop doing it. But, you know, it's really up Mm -hmm. to God. And, um, you know, if he calls us to do something new and fresh, and it doesn't mean we're not going to use what we've learned already or go back to it one day, we don't know. But there is also the equipping part, because of experiences that Mm -hmm. you've gone through and the things that you've learned through even your educational background, I'm sure poured somewhat into the book too, kind of helped with that. Yeah. I, I joke with my family that, you know, I I would not have gotten a PhD if I knew that I was going to quit my job. (laughs) Um, 
I did spend 12 years in higher education. Um, and that's somewhat humbling for me was not. Um, so again, I guess, again, if this is just like true confessions, um, mm -hmm. it was not humbling to me to quit my job to be a stay at home mom, because I had waited for so long to be a mom that I think even when our firstborn was born and I went back to work, um, cause I was still teaching full time. Mm -hmm. I struggled. I just wanted to be home with her. I did not want to go back to work. And so it was, it was a no brainer for me. Mm -hmm. This is what I want to do. I want to be with my girls, but what was humbling was that I didn't even know in my heart how much I had this desire of, um, and it had almost made an idol of, of work mm -hmm. and, not just work, but like making money, having the income, mm -hmm. you know, that I am contributing to our family because I, um, you know, I have this job, I have this income. And so I think really seeing my, um, my heart and kind of the ugliness of where I had some pride mm -hmm. in that, in that area, and then surrendering that to say, Lord, like, if you want us to be single income, like that's, that is what we'll do. And, and the, the work that I'm doing in investing in these girls and, you know, parenting them and teaching them. Yes. It's, it's interesting to me how I use some of the same giftings and he did use those years to prepare me for these next years. And so obviously I'm teaching my kids. I mean, they're the oldest is three, but they're learning all the time they're learning language, they're learning new skills. And, and so there's, there's still that aspect that's being used. And then, you know, getting to use my writing that has never changed. And that was always something that I felt was a gift from the Lord that because I'm not teaching full time, I have more margin in my life to write than I had before. And, and so I think that's a, a gifting that he's like drawing out that I wouldn't have had in another season. And so I used to teach writing and now <laughs> I, I guess I do a lot more writing myself. Yeah. So that's good. Practice what you preach <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. But I, I, and I think it's really cool too, that both you and your husband were on board with listening to the Lord's lead. Cause sometimes it can be a little challenging if both are not on the same page right away. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it might take more time for one person to get the message than it does for the other person. But God would never yes. tell a husband and wife two different things. You know, he wouldn't yeah. mix messages. That wouldn't be the case. So what a blessing. Well, and my husband was the one who was so much more at peace about it mm -hmm. and just not stressed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I kept thinking about our finances and just thinking, I don't, I mean, are, are you sure? Like, I don't know if we can make this work. And and he, so he was the one from the beginning that was like, I really think this is what you're supposed to do. And I'm the one who wanted to do it, mm -hmm. but I was afraid to do it. You know, like it was my deepest desire to be home with my girls and just spend all the time that I could because I was just so happy to have them. So happy to, to be a mom, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was also like, can I really let go? Can I walk away from this? this position. I was a full professor is the highest academic rank that you can have. And, mm -hmm. and I just, you know, stepped away from all of that. And now, I mean, that has been almost two years um, with 
the twins will be two later this fall in November. And I, I mean, I've loved every second of mm-hmm. the time that we have had. Maybe I shouldn't say every second. <laughs> There's definitely been some hard days. Yeah. But yeah. I, um, but just in general, I, I just love the season of life that I'm in. And it's, I wouldn't want to be in any other season. Yeah. And you can really savor what God has done in your life. Like take time to really savor that and be with the girls. So that's really special. I love it. So yeah, yeah, well, tell us how the listener can connect with you and find out about the book and maybe get on board so they can sign up, you know, get your, grab your other freebie that you have. And how would Mm -hmm. they do that, Laura? So they can connect probably the best place is is to start with my website. So that's lauracbrandenberg.com. And I mean, I'm on all the social media things too. I'm I'm on, you know, Facebook and Instagram. And I just recently got on threads. Are you on threads yet? No. (laughs) It's like the new, it's like Twitter, but it's through the Instagram platform. So anyways, I've done very little, but I did get on it. And anyways, I'm on all of those platforms just as Laura C. Brandenburg. So it's really easy kind of same place, same name everywhere. I would love to, if you would share, like, what do you want the reader to take away from your book? What, what is the message there that you would want them Mm -hmm. to take away from it? And then any encouraging words you want to leave the listener with before we sign off? Yeah. Okay. So one thing that I want them to get from the book, that's, that's really hard. Um, (laughs) Or you can name a couple. I think my hope above all else, I would say, is that they would encounter who God is, Mm. Um, you know, not just what he can do for them, but who he is. And, and I think the, the heart of that is also coming to this place of just surrendering to who he is, like that he is God and I am not right. Mm -hmm. Um, Even we were talking earlier about faith and, you know, is my faith big enough? Do I have enough faith? And I, I just think one of the things that the Lord taught me is that like faith is something that we receive. It's not something that we like muster up. It's not something that we strive to do. You know, it's a fruit of the spirit. It's a, it's a spiritual gift and it's, um, it's something that we receive from him. And so, and that's not to say, I and mean, it's not passive, like we have to you have to receive something. You have to like take hold of it, but it just takes so much pressure off of, off of women who feel like they, they're not praying right, or they're not, um, you know, doing this right, or I'm not believing enough or like all the pressure that we put on ourselves that if God's not doing something, it's because I didn't do something. And I think just to step back and surrender, like really, acknowledging who God is and, um, and just his sovereignty, his goodness, his, I mean, the love that everything that he does for us is, is motivated out of his love. And so I think that's one really important thing. The, the other thing that I would say, if I can just say two, is I think at the end of it all, and this is really specific to the fertility, but, um, I think we just have to settle in our hearts and and reconcile with the truth that God alone creates and sustains life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that's what his word says that by him and through him, all things were created. And so, you know, all of the women that we study 
in the, the book, at the end of their story, it's still God who opened their womb. You know, it's not about what they did or didn't do. And I mean, for some of them, like Rachel, Rachel isn't even a very nice person. And we, <laughs> we don't see evidence of her having like this deep, intimate relationship with the Lord mm-hmm. where she is praying and waiting. Like Rachel is not a Hannah, right? right. <laughs> um, but, but what does God do? He, she still gets pregnant um, twice. And, you know, there's, there's the Shunammite woman when, um, when Elisha tells her that she'll have a son in the next year, her response is no. And it's like, her answer is no, <laughs> like that's not faith, mm-hmm. right? That's not like receiving a word. It has fear written all over it, but her son was born for uh, a very prophetic reason. Like he had a very important purpose and it's kind of like Elizabeth's, you know, John the Baptist, like there's a, a specific timing aspect and a specific destiny that God had purposed. And so I think, you know, I had to come to this conclusion that, that God is in control and I'm not, you know, and I think that's so, so hard. I want it to be something that I can do or something that I can control. And I think even if we approach faith and believing like that, you know, like we can't just grunt your way into pregnancy right. or, or whatever God has planned yeah. for your family. If you get pregnant and you did all the, the, the things and you think it's because you did that, like it was, it was God's plan. It was his timing. It was his purpose. And if you don't get pregnant, it wasn't because you didn't, you know, grunt the right way or, or pray the right way. Like God just had another plan. And it might include adoption. It might include spiritual adoption. I do believe God's word where it says, I think it's in Psalm 113, that that he makes the barren uh, woman, the joyful mother of children. And, and so I believe that any woman who desires to be a mother, who desires to have children can and, and will have that desire filled, but we have to be you know, we have to have open palms about what that means or what it, what it looks like. And I think when we really get a glimpse of who God is, we can do that because we, we trust his character. We, we know his character and we know that he's trustworthy. And so that's kind of a long answer. But I think at the end of the book, I would want women to have a better sense of who God is and how he feels about them, not just what can God do for me? Or is God going to do this, this thing for me? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good word right there. And it's a great reminder because knowing God is the most beautiful thing. And like you said, and not what he can do for us, trust that he knows best and his ways are higher. And like you said, when we know his character, he is love. Mm -hmm. So it flows from love. I was thinking about that infertility like today, they say that it affects one in five women. And so I just think even if you're not one of the five, mm-hmm. you probably know somebody who is, mm-hmm. you know, it's probably a friend or a sister, or, you know, maybe if you're an older woman, it might be your daughter. Like if you have adult children, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's sad to me how many women experience this now. It's not when I was going through it, I always felt like nobody else was going through this, but the reality is a lot of women are, um, are experiencing it today. And so I do hope that they can find hope, even if it's not about my book, if they can just 
find their community, you know, find their church, find their their circle of friends to to pray for them and to support them. It's just so important. Yeah. Community is so important to stay in community like that. And so tell us the name of your book again. It is Not Forgotten, uh, Unraveling Questions of Faith and Fertility. Nice. Well, thank you so much for being back on and having this conversation. It was so great to catch up with you and just like actually see how God has been working mm-hmm. in your life. And so many things have changed since we last talked, which is exciting. So yes. like I said earlier, I'll put the link to that first conversation in the show notes so that the listener can also catch that episode because I think it'll be cool to hear because it's encouraging when we hear God's faithfulness, you know, even when it's yeah. like we hear other people's stories about it. And, you know, the word says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So that's definitely precious and an an important thing for us to remember. So, all right, friend. Well, I hope to have you on again sometime. I would love that. Thank you so much. And we will talk soon. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Wasn't that an awesome episode? I loved talking with Laura and so many new things have come up in her life, new seasons and everything has changed since we last talked and God's faithfulness shines through. So don't forget to check out her website and I have links in the show notes for you to connect with her. And remember, I am booking for 2024. And so if you're looking for a speaker for your next speaking event, I have dates available in 2024. So reach out to me at darswift.com or womenspeakers.com and let's have a chat about that. Well, I hope you join me next time when I talk with another woman that's taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friend, have a blessed week and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.